Welcome, Power Collectors, to another episode of Power Collectors, formerly known as Game Investing, where we talk about the graded game market, primarily sold data on Heritage, HA.com, a little bit of eBay, a little bit of Comic Connect, Comic Link, Golden, and um, some other auction houses out there, but primarily we are talking about WADA slabs because that's where all the data and market capitalization is. If you're new to the channel, this isn't really about video game collecting, gameplay, um, gaming, unless you consider speculation, investing, reselling, graded video games, uh, gaming. I do. My favorite game is HA.com Live. Big red button. It's a real simple video game. Put your money where your mouth is. Click the bid button and you're trying to beat the market. Basically, Mr. Market says that's what the price is and you're trying to get it below that or maybe a future market. Like my new Patreon just messaged me a few weeks ago. Where will the puck be going in five to 10 years? So today's episode is dedicated to Lincoln Squared. Kevin, I've been thinking a lot about scarcity, especially after the second or third print 10.0 um, Switch. I think it was a Zelda game that went off for seven or $8,000. And obviously the first print Call of Duty 4 going off for over $50,000. I think scarcity is a great topic for where the market is going. And I just want to read this on my phone, on my big screen before I go into Studio A in the closet and go into full podcast mode. So, Kevin, what would you like me to do a podcast on? I really appreciate you signing up. This is back in November before the uh, Switch 10.0s went off, before the coin guys came in and talked in Clubhouse, before Modern Warfare just blew up and most other pieces are going down. So if you look at it that way, they're actually up 2, 3, 4, 5, 10x in a down market. If everything's going down, let's say 2 to 5x and you've got pieces doing 2 to 5x, um, it's just it's just an exponential multiplier of where those are going to the moon. Um, he writes, I would like to maybe do relative scarcity. Okay, that's today's topic. We're going to talk about relative scarcity. I have noticed just because something is rare, it doesn't mean it's valuable because there could be little or no demand or notoriety. I'm not sure what you mean by notoriety, Kevin, but we're going to assume that comes down to popularity in video games, which is either going to be keys, traditional rarities, or bestsellers. We're going to go with objective lists from Wikipedia and CGC. Forecasting collectible markets, demand, notoriety, Gen Z, 10 years. So I guess today's podcast is going to talk about relative scarcity, where the puck would be going in 5 to 10 years, in my opinion, and what video games would be best to buy and hold for that generation as well as, let's say, a 5 to 10 year hold, assuming there's another bull run powered by FOMO and macroeconomics that brings in millions of collectors and we see something like we saw in 2021, which was just out of this world. So that's it for the intro. Um, this is the first time I'm doing an intro on the phone. Let me know if the echo is is tremendous.
Now we're going to transfer into the Studio A closet. Okay, I think the best example of relative scarcity as we look for a definition and assumptions before we get into video games is probably oil. The question is, would oil be scarce if it wasn't for gasoline? Um, how much oil is in acrylic? Well, I'm not really sure about the plastics that all of our slabs are in, whether it's cards, toys, games, but there could be a little bit of oil in there, right? So there's a little bit of demand for oil, but the question is, what about gasoline? And if you look at the amount of supply of oil, it looks like we have 47, maybe 50 years left at current consumption or demand, but there's plenty of oil in the ground. Uh, is that, let's see, that's millions, billions, 1.6 trillion barrels. It could be one to two trillion barrels of oil. So the question is, is oil relatively scarce if we all stop driving, flying, taking trains, um, we stop all billion vehicles on planet Earth for the month or two or three for, let's say, a year. Let's just stop driving for a year, stop flying, stay at home and burn up natural gas for the grid. And, you know, maybe there's a high tax. And if you take your electric car out, it costs you 10 bucks a mile or something crazy. So basically, we shut humankind down as far as transportation goes. We stop consuming. Is oil scarce or is it going to be water, uh, clean water, um, clean air, uh, food, chicken, you know, beef? All these other things that rely on the grid and the transportation and diesel fuel um, to lower prices. So oil is complicated. At the end of the day, you could say, well, it's not really rare, but it's definitely scarce because of demand. So that's probably my definition of relative scarcity is the demand has to be greater than the supply. A lot of collectors think that rarity leads to value or is the best thing to collect and i think rarity is the best flex because when you throw up something rare or you tell your friends you got something rare or you post a video or a picture of something rare hard to find you're going to get generally positive reactions whereas if you post something very common um something that's you know like a barrel of oil if i post a barrel of oil um, I'm not going to get any reactions or it would be negative in collectibles. If you post like junk wax sports cards or let's say modern Pokemon, you're sending in modern Pokemon or even, even switch in video games. Some people like myself, and this podcast is based on my opinion. I'm not a licensed financial advisor or CPA or licensed tax advisor or consultant. I, uh, I went to business school. I've run businesses for 30 years. So this is my strong, independent opinion that demand is more important than supply. And collectors chase rarity. Speculators, investors think about scarcity. And dealers want liquidity. We're all chasing different things in the market. And that's why demand changes every second. You cannot predict demand. You cannot say there's going to be demand for this game tomorrow or that sports car tomorrow. You don't know what demand is. I don't know what demand is. And that's why we create podcasts like this. That's why people get on YouTube. That's why there's the news. That's why 
Uh, companies like Bloomberg make bank for providing information about investing because nobody knows the future. If you knew the future, what is it? Back to the Future 3 or something. Um, you know, you get one little small little book, take it into the future and you can become a trillionaire or own a casino or whatever Biff did. I, I can't remember the exact um, storyline of that movie, but I do remember the little sports almanac that showed final scores of games that had yet happened in the future. So if you could predict the future, you wouldn't need the podcast. You wouldn't need your 401k. You wouldn't need a tax advisor. You wouldn't need anything. You wouldn't even need a bank, probably. You could just dump it all in Robinhood or wherever and simply predict where stocks were going or bonds or economics or dollar or crypto or whatever it is. Now, I did predict this recession. I believe that I was one of the earliest people in the hobbies to be a Debbie Downer. I got hate for it. The number one comic dealer in the world said, stop the doom and gloom. If you keep posting it, I'm going to delete you on Facebook. Um, you know, people did not like my doom and gloom, especially when it was early. And by the way, that comic um, guy said this like a month or two ago. And I had predicted this recession in Q4 of last year and offloaded all my black boxes in Q4, which is normal for a dealer. We offload everything in Q4. And then we start reloading in January, February. Great time to buy. March, April, even with tax refunds uh, coming back and people having to pay taxes. So it's a two, it's a it's a double-edged sword. You've got money coming back to people that can spend it. And then you've got a lot of people that are selling. And then there's not a lot of demand in the market so you can find deals. Have you found deals in January or February in collectibles in past recessions? Have you been through a prior recession? Have you invested in scarcity over rarity? Do you collect rarity only? So I think we could call oil a pretty common resource if there was no demand. In other words, if we shut down all the refineries that turn oil into gasoline and jet fuel and diesel oil, I think that oil would drop to nearly nothing. It would be basically plastics that would um, be making up the majority of the demand. So with that example, which I think everybody can understand, and I'm not an oil expert, I've done a little bit of automotive research on the oil side, energy side, I do understand um, like Automotive mileage, when you compare, let's say, a diesel, like diesel's high efficiency compared to gasoline, compared to electric car with the highest efficiency, but the grid is the lowest efficiency fuel delivery system. So actually, diesel fuels high efficiency because it's everywhere and trucks stop at truck stops right off the highway. So they don't stop and go in city streets. And that increases efficiency of diesel fuel. Plus, it's, it's um, I guess it's higher density or something, the energy per unit or whatever like that. So you've got diesel fuel is high efficiency. Then you've got gasoline, which I believe a quarter cup of gasoline is like a stick of dynamite or sticks of dynamite. Then you've got electric vehicles, which are high efficiency motors, but the grid loses 50% of all the electricity we produce and distri distribute. 
I think due to heat or just loss into the air, if I'm not wrong, decaps, how efficient is the grid overall? How much energy is lost into the air or into the ground or wherever it goes? And did Tesla truly create a wireless grid where he was able to transfer electricity through the quote unquote ether? And if we had free energy come out one day, which I believe exists, Tesla did build an electric car that had a little black box. He went to an electronics store, his friend's battery went dead, and he built a little black box and the car drove off. No filling up, no battery, just pulling electricity out of the air. If someone invents one of those, I would say oil is not a relatively scarce resource. I would say food, clean water. Um, in other words, high demand, high supply is kind of what those represent. The question is, can we translate that into video games? Relative scarcity. So before we get into video games, let's talk about the Michael Jordan that just went off the 1986 Fleer. Rookie card with an asterisk. If you're new to sports cards, the asterisk means there was an earlier print of that player but it wasn't a mainstream release and usually rookie cards, not maybe rookies or extended rookies, but rookie cards, which means RC with parentheses, not asterisk generally is a mainstream um, product that gets released at the retail level that everybody has access to. And with Jordan with the 1983 or four star, which came out two years prior to the Fleer, it wasn't a mainstream rookie card and it came in a team set, which was actually bagged. It was actually sealed, but I don't know how many retail outlets like Target or Walmart even got any. I think there was 3,000 total Chicago team team sets out there. So at that time, there was thousands of card shops. So I'm thinking each card shop got one team bag. Um, that's nothing left over for KB Toys or Toys R Us, whoever was selling cards back in the day. So it's not considered a rookie, it's considered an XRC, but for let's say the last 20 years, the FLIR RC asterisk, the standard red, white, and blue, beautiful dunking, young Michael Jordan, it's a beautiful card, commonly off-center, um, has been rising. It's been rising all the way till about a 720, 30, maybe 40,000, a little, a little under a three quarters of a million dollar all-time high last year. And since then, it's been dropping almost like a rock. I think the last sale on Golden was down in the $150,000 range. And a power collector just DM'd me today that that's probably too high because PWCC owns so many copies and they're protecting it. Speaking of protecting it, I heard from another power collector in Clubhouse that CGC slabs will be protected in the January signature. In other words, I asked, do you think they're going to get half of WADA slabs, same grade, same print run and all that since the market is down, we're in a recession. VGA has not performed. If you add up all the WADA slabs in the world, if you add up all the other slabs in the world, is it even 1% of market cap value? VGA has not performed in any way in the market. I see that as just, uh, just a tiny little blip in market cap. And again, I'm not talking about collecting. I'm not talking about gaming. I'm talking about markets, supply, demand, bona fide sold legal data where taxes were paid. I'm not talking about on the down low 
where there's a trillion dollars worth of VGAs exchanging hands through tax evasion. I'm talking about the real market, and I do not see VGA anywhere near a slice of that pie. And in fact, I don't see IGS, RCG, CGC, P1, CAS, CAD, UKG. I don't see them having more than a hair of a sliver in the market cap, which I hope to create someday, which I estimate is around $100 million, including raw and loose games that are collected with an investment mindset. I do not see those slabs making up even anything but a hair in the overall pie. So if you think about the overall pie, Kevin, in five or 10 years, it's going to change, right? It's going to get younger and there's going to be less water. I think we can guarantee that. I think we, I think I can guarantee that it's a very strong opinion that if you look at the market cap and you're thinking about demand and what's actually taking place, buy, sell, trade every day, every week, you know, Every week on Heritage, every few months on Heritage Signature, every week on um, PWCC, every month on PWCC, every few months on Golden and Comic Connect and Comic Link, every day on eBay. If you add up all that activity, if you want to offload your collection at one of those websites in five or 10 years, you got to think to yourself, well, the buyer is going to be younger and what a will probably have less of a pie. Do you want to take a chance on the other slivers in the pie since they're going to grow? Or do you want to go with the market leader? And for today's, um, I guess, video game segment, we're going to go to best selling, let's say Xbox 360 games. I think that's probably the best place to start because when you were talking about Gen Z or Y, I don't know much about Gen Z and Y. I'm Gen X. I'm not a boomer. My parents were boomers. Fake news that boomers played video games. I think my mom played a touch of Game & Watch. My dad played a touch of Super Mario with his, few, his girlfriend after my mom in his 60s, 70s, and 80s, maybe 70s, with some of those nieces or something. So he... Boomers never grew up with video games. Boomers did not go into the arcades. They dropped us off, in my opinion. And a, truly, a boomer is someone born in the 40s and 50s, post-World you know, post War II. It's all about uh, washing machines, sewing machines, uh, the first radios, the first TVs. It's not internet. It's not apps. It's not video gaming. It's not streaming. It's not, um, it's not even hooking up a video game machine to the TV. Um, my parents couldn't figure out how to do that. I had to do that. So Gen X stumbled around video gaming in the beginning. And I think Gen Y and Z probably grew up with it. Like it landed under the Christmas tree. The older brother or uncle introduced them. It was handed down. I'm a first gen gamer. Nobody handed down gaming to me. It was simply just a adventure and journeys into the unknown, driving hours to to search out a cabinet that dropped that you heard about through a friend, through the grapevine. There were no cell phones or strategy guides or BBS boards. We just drove and drove and drove to cafes, restaurants, arcades. So my opinion is probably way off base, Kevin, but I'm going to give it. In my opinion, if you're looking out five to 10 years and you're trying to pick 
what are the games that are in demand? I would say the games that gamers and future collectors grew up with on modern consoles such as Xbox 360, the Wii, and PlayStation 2. To me, that is the peak of physical gaming units produced. And again, we go back to oil, food, toilet paper. High supply, high demand. It's not like toilet paper was rare. It's not like toilet paper was short printed or first printed or condition sensitive. Toilet paper had too much demand. And that's why it became scarce for a little bit there. I noticed that the last time we bought toilet paper at Costco, it was $19.99 a case. And I remember buying it in Oregon with no sales taxes, $19.99 plus sales taxes, so over $20 a case. But I remember buying it in Oregon about a year ago for, I think, $15.99 without sales taxes. And that's a $4 increase on 15, 16 divided by four. That's a 25% increase. If you had invested in toilet paper, you would have made a 25% profit when everything else is dropping as much as 90%, which to me is like a 2x. And that's because of demand. It's not because we don't have enough recycled trash to turn into soft paper. It has nothing to do with supply. And I think that's where collectors get separated from power collectors. I think power collectors understand that demand is the elephant in the room that nobody can predict. And that's where you're speculating. You're not necessarily speculating with your dollars. You're speculating with your opinion on your portfolio. You don't want your portfolio to lose value because it's embarrassing. It's uh, it's something that your wife probably asks, how much did you spend on that game? And you have to tell her, well, it's worth this much. If you tell her that it lost money, it causes issues in the relationship. So the future generations, maybe they're not married yet. They have a very different perspective. When the, when the OGs talk in Clubhouse, they're talking about NES, which has rarity. It has organic rarity. And it has scarcity in, I would say, high grade, early, or first print. So the easy answer for me as an OG is first print heavies in the best condition you can find, Kevin. And <clears throat> the question is, how many do you own? For all the listeners out there, how many Mint TM Zeldas do you own? How many Mint Call of Duty 4s do you own? How many Mint NFR Halos do you own? How many Mint Zelda Breath of the Wild Switches do you own? How many Mint Super Mario 1, 2, 3s do you own at Left Bros? There are none above 9.4. There are no mint copies. There are no mint copies of Tyson. There are no mint copies of Super Mario Brothers 1. There's no mint copies of that I know of of Super Mario Brothers 2 with a confirmed date code of the first print. There are none. There are no mint copies of, let's say, uh, I don't know, Call of Duty 4. Is there one? Two, maybe? We've seen two on the market, and that's a modern game. Printed out the Yazoo. Okay, let's look up. Call of Duty because that's the really the big news. So Call of Duty 4, 4.2 million units produced. Now you can Google this. Uh, Wikipedia best-selling Xbox 360 game. So that's the supply side economics. Is Call of Duty a key or a traditional rarity? Well, obviously it's not a rarity. 
Call of Duty, Black Ops, Black Ops 2, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare. Wait a second. Okay, Modern Warfare. There it is. Um, for, you know, 4.2 million on COD 4, 13 million Modern Warfare 2, and for almost 15 million Modern Warfare 3, number one, Connected Ventures. So you don't want to invest in Connected Ventures, obviously. It's got endless supply, and the reason is there's no demand for that. Grand Theft Auto 5, 23 million produced. Well, is there 25 million people that want a mint sealed copy? How many mint sealed copies are there? There are no mint first print copies of anything significant because there's more people that want that than there are left over sealed today. And we're talking about late 2022, dude. We're talking about late 2022. And it's Christmas, which means more sealed copies are going one way in the, in the, in, into collections. And, and shout out to Sir Hit on Instagram, who has a mint copy of COD 4. He paid four grand on eBay for, and he just told me today, now that WADA dropped the uh, pop report on uh, Black Ops, I'm not going to get my 96A+. I'm giving up because there's nothing above a 9.2. Is that really true? If the cutoff for mint is 9.4A++ or 96A+, or above, there are no mint Super Marios. There are no mint Zeldas. There are no mint CODs. There are no mint anything that's really significant on the demand side. So the demand side, what is the demand side? You can, fit, you can again, you can look up supply on best-selling whatever, best-selling NES, best-selling Xbox, best-selling Switch. You can look up, anybody can look up supply. It's in the millions. And that comes down to popularity. Do you invest in popular games? There's two ways to define popularity, in my opinion. You can either use the CGC reference guide and look at key titles, or you can go to Wikipedia and look up best-selling. And uh, Xbox 360 goes down to a million. All the lists go down to a million because that's kind of a cutoff. And there's top 63 titles. Actually, there's more than that because some titles sold a million. So there's about 70 Xbox 360s to choose from. This is the future generation. This is five to 10 years. And I would say the simple answer, Kevin, is first print mint sealed. If it's vintage, first print. If it's retro, first print. Good luck finding a Tyson first print. Good luck finding a Zelda first print. Good luck finding a Mega Man first print. Good luck finding all kinds of popular games first print. And that's why we're seeing so much money, lazy money being dropped on second, third, fourth, fifth print in high grade. And in my opinion, my very strong opinion, Kevin, I do not recommend dropping big money on later prints if you can get a decent first print, let's say 8.0 or higher. I think that's the new cutoff for me. It used to be 7.5 when the market was tight. It was a seller's market, but in a buyer's market, I think if you have patience, you do your due diligence, you do your research, you you nurture relationships, you use social media, you you act with kindness, gratitude, and appreciation, you should be able to find an 8.0 Tyson, an 8.0 COD 4, an 8.0 Zelda Switch, or higher probably. Um, you know, an 8.0 NFR Halo sealed. You know, if, if you're on a budget and you can't afford $50,000 games, 
That is my opinion of how to build a portfolio going forward. And the best way is to just get started. Like if you pick COD, just get started with whatever's on the market. I just bought a 92A, it's not mint. I bought a raw that'll probably come back 9B, it's not mint, but I got started. I'm in the game. It's kind of like buying stocks and stocks have no rarity at all, but they have scarcity running the show day by day, minute by minute. And what you do is you get in, you put your foot in the water. If it goes down, you buy more if you have conviction. If it goes up, you're happy you got in. So you can win either way in a buyer's market. So I would recommend picking some consoles based on demographics that you think will be in the market buying in five to 10 years in the next bull run. Then reference the CGC reference guide and look at the keys versus the rarities. Um, you can read a little blurb about the console there if you didn't grow up playing it and you're you're being objective in the market, kind of like me. Uh, dealer mindset, looking for liquidity as well as scarcity, and then use that bestseller list to ask yourself, which one of these games have high print runs overall, but the first print is hard to find, even in a buyer's market? Because I really feel strongly in my opinion that if it's hard to find now in a buyer's market, it's got to go up in the next bull run. Because just, just adding a few more people, that's what happened on COD 4. I watched it go from 10 to 20 to 30. And what that is, is a bidding war that sets the whole market. All that is, is an extra third person. That's an extra third guy fighting with the, the two that are in a bidding war that went up to 10. And then you got an extra bidder in there. It could be a woman, could be a guy, it could be an overseas, it could be an LLC, it could be a fractional share company. You have that extra third party and three's a crowd. When you have a crowd going for an ultra rare, scarce resource like high grade first print video games or the highest available grade first print video games, the sky's the limit. It's to the moon. It's not like sports cards, like the Fleer Jordan dropping from a three quarters of a million dollars to 150,000. It's been on a continual decline. And what has been doing well in sports cards, if that's where you're coming over from, it's the Star Jordan, the one that has rarity. And then finally, 20 years after PSA said, no, we're never going to grade Star Jordan, they turned on the scarcity spigot by saying, we are going to grade it. And you're seeing PSA 8s do hundred grand, and you're seeing PSA 9s eclipse the PSA 10 FLIR. And why is that? Two-way double threat. It's got the rarity and it's got the scarcity. So GOATs, bestsellers, keys, traditional rarities, if you can line all that up with demographics based on your choice of console, I would start with Xbox 360 and maybe switch because uh, Second print Zelda 10.0s are going off near 10 grand. I would not recommend that, but it might be a console that could have collectors come in that grew up with the Switch, but I'm thinking they might be a little young. In my opinion, Kevin, the best demographic to shoot for is 40 years old. 35 to 45 is when people come into money and they start buying back their childhood. If you can hit the next bull run and the demographic of your buyer 
is around 40, 42. They have unlimited budgets. They can go hard at something early in high grade. Whereas a 25-year-old that grew up with a switch in the pandemic might not have 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 grand to drop on a first print rarity. So play life like a video game out there, you guys. Try something new. Try a console that you did not grow up with. Take a look at the CGC reference guide. That'll give you the keys and the rarities and a little overview of the console. Then type in best-selling whatever, Xbox 360, Switch, Wii, PS2, PS3, PS4, PS5, whatever it is. I just bought some PS4 Otani show uh, MLB 22s. I'm going to send those in because I love Otani. He's just an amazing guy. So I'm actually going to send in a PS4 and PS5. I have no idea if it's first or second print. Maybe I'm going to make some failures when you get knocked out, when you get pushed down, when you send in the wrong game. Take your loss quickly, learn, grab that priceless wisdom, and someday you can become a master.